There are many stories of the strange and unusual. Some are true, others are not. Misfits Audio is proud to present Strange Stories, a collection of tales by Mike Murphy that can take place on any world at any time. We hope our cast entertains you with these tales of the supernatural and the fantastic. I suppose that I acquired my power on the day I killed my father. Here we are, sir. Very good, Kenneth. Need I remind you, Mr. Dreyer, that this is not the best area of town? No, you don't have to remind me. If you consider it, though, what better place to find someone who needs the money and might agree to my plan? Logical, sir, as always. So this is what a soup kitchen looks like? Yes. And all these people waiting in line... Are waiting for a free meal. Sad, isn't it? Yes, it is. You're certain you want to go through with this? Absolutely. Even with all the possible repercussions? Yes. I've thought about this long and hard. It's the only solution I see to quell my troubled mind. Besides, I don't really know what might happen if I am successful. I need to do this. If you say so, sir. Kenneth, you understand my instructions? Yes. You're not to enter the study until I call you, or until dawn, whichever comes first. I understand. Uh, this could be very dangerous, Mr. Dreyer. I understand that. I don't think anyone understands the possible dangers of this more than I do. I do appreciate your concern. I want you to know, sir, that you've always been very good to me, and I consider you a friend. And I consider you a friend also. Kenneth, you're talking as though we will never see each other again. You said you don't know what might happen. I did. But do we have to assume the worst? No, we shouldn't. I apologize. Now, sir? Yes. Now. It is oppressively hot today. Indeed, sir. We certainly are attracting a lot of attention, aren't we? I suppose it's not every day that you see a limousine parked outside of a soup kitchen. Very true, Kenneth. Is there anyone here who is 43 years old? 43? Anyone? I have a business proposition for anyone 43 years old. What are you doing here, mister? Mr. Dreyer? Not to worry, Kenneth. As I mentioned, I have a business proposition. What kind of proposition? A proposition where the other person needs to be 43 years old. I'm 43. What's it to you? So good to meet you. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is William P. Dreyer. I've read about someone with that name. It was probably me. You're a millionaire, ain't you? Uh, many times over, Mr. Uh... Denver. Jack Denver. Pleased to meet you. Say, that's some nice car you've got there. It is one of my favorites. You have more than one of these limos? I do. Uh, now, about this business proposition. Uh-huh. 
You said you're 43 years old. I did, and I am. Wonderful, so am I. Great. What's this deal? I think it would be better to talk about it at my home. Kenneth will drive us. Is there a problem, Jack? May I call you Jack? Sure you can. Please call me Bill. Okay. I asked if there's a problem. It's just that I was waiting for lunch. Oh, yes, I see. What would your repast consist of in that establishment? Huh? What would be for lunch? I think today it's chicken sandwiches, coleslaw fries, and coffee. Jack, if you come to my house to consider my offer, I can promise you that my chef will prepare a much better lunch for you. Are you a meat and potatoes man? I like them. How about a thick steak? Cooked to your specifications, of course. With fresh vegetables, potato, fine dessert... A wonderful wine. I even have some Cuban cigars for after, if you'd like. All that for considering your offer? Yes. What if I hear your offer and say no? Well, have Kenneth drive you anywhere in the city that you'd like. You will have lost nothing and gained a wonderful meal in the process. I don't know. If you'd like, I can have Kenneth wait in line for you while you decide in the comfort of my air-conditioned limousine. (laughs) That would be funny. No, that's okay. I'd like to go with you. A business deal has been proposed. Two men are off to a fine lunch and a discussion. Bill Dreyer and Jack Denver are from very different worlds. What could Bill want to discuss with Jack? And why is it so important that Jack be 43 years old? Those questions and others will be answered in Thanks for the Memories. Did you enjoy your meal, Jack? Oh, yeah. It was the best I've had in a long time. I'm so glad. Randolph is an excellent chef. I promised you a cigar, didn't I? Uh, Here you are. Now that's a good smoke. Havana's usually are. Please, have a seat. Wow, I feel like I'm melting into this chair. It's made of Italian leather. Very comfortable. And expensive, I'm sure. I suppose that depends upon your station in life. I like to surround myself with the best that I can purchase. I didn't think any of those paintings were anything but originals. You thought correctly. May we discuss the proposition now? Sure. Please remember that you are free to decline with no hard feelings. I know. What's the deal? I want to buy something of yours. (laughs) With all those cars, with this house, with servants. There's something of mine that you want to buy? Now what could I have that you want? Your memories. Come again? Your memories. I want to buy them from you. My memories? How? I assure you that I can do it. What's the going price for memories nowadays? I'm prepared to offer you $10,000. 10000 Yes, in cash. You're putting me on. I assure you, I'm quite serious. All right. 
Let's say you're being straight with me. How long have you been able to do this memory-buying thing? For many years. I think it all started on the night I killed my father. You killed your... I did. Does that shock you? Well, yeah. He was a dreadful man. Always beating my dear mother and me. You look uncomfortable, Jack. I sure am. Would you like to leave now? I could ring Kenneth. Uh, well... Of course, you haven't heard me out, and you would be passing up any chance at the $10,000. You're right. I should hear the money. Um, I should hear you out. If you're worried, I assure you I have no hostile intent. You're perfectly safe. There is no danger here. I believe you. <clears throat> you're mentioning... Killing your father? My father was never what you would call a dad. He drank too much, and when he drank, he tended to get violent. As a little boy, I remember him hitting my dear mother. I pulled the covers over my head and wished for it all to go away. One day, I think I was a sophomore in high school, I came home early. Sometimes, when my father was drunk, he would take the little radio we kept on the bathroom windowsill and put it on a chair beside the tub. He loved the music of the big bands. He'd draw a steaming hot bath, often falling asleep in the tub. I peeked into the bathroom. There he was, almost asleep. The steam from the hot water mingled with the smoke from his cigarette. I... I don't know what came over me. I've never been a violent person. I suppose that all those years of his abuse to my dear mother and me pushed me over the edge. I seized my chance. I don't think he even saw me. I jumped into the bathroom and kicked the radio off the chair and into the tub. The electricity from the radio danced over the water in the tub. My father bucked wildly, as though a crazy puppeteer was pulling all his strings randomly. I had done it. He was going to die, and my dear mother and I would be free. We could begin to lead normal lives as families were meant to. There would be no more abuse. Once our bruises faded, there would be nothing to remind us of him. The thought made me smile. The electricity must have leapt out of the tub and hit me too. The next thing I remember, I was lying on the couch, and my dear mother was hovering over me. She saw me flutter my eyes as I eased into semi-consciousness. Bill, honey, 
The doctor says you'll be all right. You've received a bad electric shock. You need your rest, but I'm here for you, and I'll keep you safe. Rest? Oh, honey, I, I don't know if you can understand me right now, but, but there's been a terrible accident. Your, your father is, he's dead. Dead? Oh, baby, you've been hurt, but you'll be fine. You sleep now. I remember trying to look sad that my father was dead. I must have done a good job. No one ever suspected what I had done. It was ruled an accidental death. My father was dead, and I was happy. Whatever my future held, it would be better than what I had. My dear mother and I were rid of him. It wasn't much later that I discovered the electric shock had given me a power that would change my life. The ability to take other people's memories. Not take, Jack. I can't take them. The other person has to agree to the transfer. I found that out early on. The other person has to agree, and then I wish for it to happen. It's quite a thing. And you think the electricity did that? I can see no other explanation. You seem uneasy again. I sure am. You just told me how you killed your dad. Father. Dad? Father? What's the difference? There's a big difference. A dad doesn't get drunk and beat you and your mother. A dad doesn't make you afraid to stay out late or fall asleep. A dad doesn't belittle you at every turn and say that he wishes you had never been born. There is a big difference, Jack. A big difference. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, please forgive me. I suppose that I'm more sensitive to the differences because of my past. Did you have a dad, Jack? Oh, yeah. We went hunting and fishing together. We played a lot of ball. Laughed together all the time. He was a funny guy. I envy you. Your dad has passed on? Yes, around seven years ago. I am sorry. You were saying how you learned about your power? One of the first instances I can remember was in high school. Maybe a few months after my father's death. It was the day of the big American history exam. I had forgotten all about it and hadn't studied one bit. If I had remembered, I might have chosen not to study anyway. The class know-it-all was Percival Carruthers. Boy, was he a weird kid. He had a face full of acne and wore these huge glasses. He'd remind the teacher that he or she hadn't given us homework yet. For all the time I knew him, he had a really squeaky voice. I don't think he ever finished puberty. On the day of the exam, he walked into the classroom all full of himself. He had obviously studied a lot. 
He had the time since hardly anyone talked to him. No one liked him, mostly because of his I'm better than you are attitude. Unfortunately for me, because of Mr. Basio's alphabetical seating plan, Percival sat right next to me. So how long did you study, William? Not one minute, Percy. Oh, dear. Aren't your grades low already? This test counts for 40% of our grade. I know, I know. If you flunk this test, you'll probably end up in summer school. What are you going to do? Percy, old pal. No, William. I will not help you cheat. Why not? You have before. That's because I thought you were my friend. I'm not your friend? You're my friend when you need me. You think I never noticed that? I'm not dumb, you know. Come on, Percy. No. We'll get caught. And Mr. Bossier will give us both zeros. My dad will really be upset if my grade point average dips. He'd probably make me quit the chess club. Percy. No, William. I refuse. Absolutely not. You don't have to do anything special. Just write a little bigger than usual. I'll do the rest. No. I'll pay you. I said no. Thanks a lot. I wish you had come to me sooner. We could have studied together. That would have been a blast. I'm sorry, William. I wish I could help you. I really do. But there's no time now. Mr. Bossio walked in as the bell rang. The papers and blue books were passed back from row to row. We would have approximately one hour to complete the test. I shot one last look at Percival. He shook his head. No, moved his blue book away from me, and started writing in his usual tiny penmanship. I cursed him under my breath and silently wished that I had paid more attention to American history. It was then that the feeling washed over me for the first time. I felt nauseous. My ears rang a little, and my vision went briefly blurry. Suddenly, more than I had ever wanted to know about American history was crowding my brain. The Articles of Confederation, the Alien and Sedition Acts, the Emancipation Proclamation, things that I had never heard of before were now swimming around my head. The sickly feelings went away, but the facts remained in my mind. I grabbed my pen and started writing furiously in my blue book, afraid that this sudden knowledge would dry up. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a very distressed-looking Percival Carruthers staring blankly at his blue book, writing nothing. <laughs> he shot a questioning glance over at me, and I hid my blue book with my left arm. I aced the test and brought my average way up. Mr. Bossio congratulated me on my grade, and my dear mother was thrilled. <laughs> Even more thrilling, Percival got his first F, and the chess club had one less dweeb. You think that you somehow got all this history knowledge from Percival? I do. He wished that he could help me, remember? Then I wished for knowledge of American history. 
There you have two willing parties. It seems the only conclusion. How long do these memories stay with you? Forever. You don't forget a thing? Not intentionally. Sometimes some newly purchased memory might overlap an older one. To be honest, I still remember a great deal of what was on that test. And you've used this ability to get rich. I certainly have. You've figured out ways to use this power for your own good. Oh yes, many times. When I discovered what I could do, I sat down and thought of how I could use this power to my and my dear mother's advantage. From what I've seen here, you've found ways. It took some thought, but I did. You'd be surprised at the trade secrets that, for instance, business people are willing to give up for greed. Once these secrets were mine, I used them and built on them. Slowly but surely, I amassed my fortune. Did this power of yours ever not work when you wanted it to? No, but it was close once. Oh, Bill, I love you so much. And I love you, Anne. I have a question for you. What is it, sweetheart? Are you going to ask me to marry you soon? Oh, you're a little direct, aren't you? We've been going together for three years, Bill. Don't you think it's about time? I'd be a good wife to you. I've never said otherwise. Then what is it? I've been thinking about it. I swear I have. But with my mother being so sick... Bill, I'm very sorry she's sick. I truly am. I know you are. You're not using her sickness as an excuse not to ask me to get married, are you? Certainly not. I wouldn't think of using my mother like that. Well, what is it then? She wants you to be happy, doesn't she? Of course she does. And she does like me. You know she loves you like a daughter. Then I'm sure she'd approve of our marriage. I never said that she didn't. She wants you to be happy, and I can make you happy. I know that, honey. She wouldn't want you to put off your happiness. No mother would want that for her only son. It's hard to concentrate on much else when she's so sick. Bill, honey, you do love me, don't you? I just told you that. Uh. It's so hard to be separated from you for any length of time. I wish that you could know how much I love you. Then you'd know why I want to be your wife so much. It was then that the familiar feeling came over me, and Anne's memories of our times together became mine. In that instant, I learned that she was only after my money. Her memories were tainted by her feelings. The times that I remembered as happy, she remembered as something to get through. To her, all the times I remembered so fondly were merely ways to get at my money. Jeez, that must have been rough. It was, but I was very glad to know her true feelings. 
I broke up with her on the spot, of course. My, my dear mother passed on about three months later. So you sometimes get people's feelings in addition to their memories? In a way. A person's memories are colored by their feelings. I don't follow. Well, let's say you're doing something special with someone you love. Your memories of that time will be happier than if you were doing that same thing with someone who wasn't special to you. Is that clear? I think so. I could contrast the memories I received from Anne with my own memories of those same times. Her memories weren't as special as mine, since she never really loved me as I loved her. If you can do this memory thing at ease, though, why do you want to buy all of my memories? The power isn't perfect, Jack. For example, let's say that I bought the memory of someone's extra special 10th birthday party. When I receive that memory, it doesn't necessarily erase the memory of my real 10th birthday party, which I assure you was nothing memorable. I can never know in advance where a new memory will end up. Because of this problem, I now remember three 10th birthday parties eight first loves, six college graduations. You get the idea. My mind is in a real jumble. What happens to the people that you buy these memories from? They're fine. They merely have that gap in their memory, and they go about their day. But now you want to buy all of my memories? Yes. As I said, my mind is a terrible jumble and I fear that I am beginning to lose some of my memories of my dear mother. As those precious memories are covered up by newer memories, the only solution I can think of is to purchase someone's entire memory, someone who is my own age, so the memories I purchase will erase those duplicate memories and give me the memory of one coherent life. But aren't you certain to lose the memories of your mother this way? It is possible. Even probable. It's a risk I have to take. I can't tolerate my mind being in such a jumble anymore. I'm sure she will forgive me. What do you think will happen to me if we go through with this? I don't know. I've never purchased all of someone's memories. I really don't know. So, Jack, you now know everything there is to know. Have you made up your mind? This guy is nuts. There's no way he can do this, is there? No, no, of course he can't. He thinks he can. All I have to do is humor him, pretend, and I can get ten thousand dollars. Ten grand! Boy, what I could do with ten big ones. I simply have to put on a show for it. Once that's over, I can leave with the money and never see this weirdo again. Jack, have you made your decision? If I say yes, when do I get my money? Open the top drawer on the end table beside you. Wow. Is this what ten grand looks like? It is. Pick it up. Look at it. Feel it. Believe me, I am. Imagine what you could do with it. 
No more waiting in line for chicken sandwiches. Certainly not. You could do yourself a lot of good with that money. No argument there. Remember, Jack, you can turn me down if you like. All you have to do is put the money back in the drawer and shut it. I'll ring Kenneth and you can go. I've made up my mind. And? Let's go for it. What do I need to do? Simply answer my question. Remember, once you say you agree, there's no turning back. I understand. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. Jack, do you want to sell me all of your memories for $10,000? Yes. Yes, I do. had neglected one vital thing. While Jack was 43 years old, he was approximately six weeks older than Bill. The memories Bill purchased overloaded his brain. Kenneth arrived at dawn, as he had promised Bill he would, and found his boss and Jack Denver. They were slumped in their leather wingback chairs in the house's study, Jack's face hung motionless, his jaw slacked open, staring glassy-eyed at nothing in particular. His newfound riches lay scattered on the floor below him and in the seat cushion, just so many worthless green pieces of paper now. Bill, his eyes similarly glassy, sat slumped in his chair, repeatedly mumbling the only memories that remained in his damaged brain. Those of his father. Daddy, no. Daddy, please help. Our special thanks to the voices of Julie Hoverson as the narrator, Jim Patton as Bill Dreyer, Daniel Wise as Kenneth, John Fleming as Jack Denver, Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Mother, Jim Patton as Young Bill Dreyer, Michael Liebman as Percival Carruthers, and Kim Giannopoulos as Anne. Thanks for the Memories was written by Mike Murphy. The producer was Katie Daynert. Assistant producer, Mike Murphy. Mixer, Jim Smagata. Script editor, Arlene Osborne. Webmaster, April Sadowski. Art director, Alexa Chipman. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrazak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy... The author of this story gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. 
This production is for enjoyment purposes only. I'm your narrator, Julie Hoverson. This is an original production by Misfits Audio, copyright 2010.